Welcome back, everybody, to the Today in Space podcast. This week, this episode is brought to you by Amazon.com. That's right. That's right. If you want to help support the podcast, go to the link that we're going to have on this show's link or on the homepage. It'll be both places. And just do your shopping like usual. It's not going to cost you uh, a single thing. All it's going to do is Amazon's going to kick me a little bit of money for sending you there. Um, and it helps support all the projects we're going to be doing in the future here. And uh, just lets us do cooler and cooler stuff. Now this week, I'm going to talk about the super blood moon and how NASA scienced the shit out of Mars from orbit. And how they found evidence of flowing, in quotes, water on Mars. We're going to get into that, what that actually means, and uh, what's up next for Mars. Maybe cut through some of the hype and really tell you what actually happened. There's some really cool science going on, so let's get into it, guys. I'm super pumped up for this week. Science, baby. Let's go. Welcome to Today in Space. That's right, doing that one live. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? How's it, how you doing? How's your week going? Um, if uh, you're on the East Coast, buckle down and prepare for the, uh, the season of change. We got uh, Hurricane Joaquin coming in. And... Uh, yeah, it's 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 just bipolar weather. It doesn't know what it wants to do. It was warm yesterday. Now it's cold. It'll probably be warm tomorrow. Who knows? Winter's coming, folks. This is how it happened last year. There's there's, there's no difference, East Coast. All right. Don't get confused. Winter came late last year, and then it hammered us. And did the same thing during the the summer to fall season. So prepare yourselves, because winter is coming. <laughs> uh, what else, man? Oh, this Sunday. Let's talk about the Super Blood Moon, guys. I hope I hope everyone had a chance to see it, whether it was going out in your own backyard, which I was lucky enough to do, uh, or you were you got to see it on uh, NASA TV. I know they were they were broadcasting it out there. Heard a few people use that option. I'm glad. I'm really glad. It was it was a really cool event. Um, it's really funny because with, you know, lunar eclipse is always cool. It's all, it's really cool. I really didn't know about them. I mean, I always heard one, never seen one. I've only really been around for solar eclipses. So for a lunar eclipse, the, you know, the one I've been hearing mostly is, is the blood moon, right? That's what everyone hears. That's, that's the, the buzzword, right? Blood moon, right? Which is really, oh my God, cell phone. Why weren't you off? Yeah, I, I have a, sorry about that. Yes, I have a bottle cap as my notification. Um, so back to the blood moon, right? Uh, and all it is is a, is a red moon, right? It's, it's, uh, it looks red. Um, and it's when the earth is between the moon and the sun. Or the moon passes behind the earth's shadow. Yeah, that makes a little sense. Um, really simple, I mean... The thing that made this weekend's really rare was the combo of the lunar eclipse, total lunar eclipse, which is what we were able to witness because we were just in the right spot <laughs> on the Earth this time, and uh, a supermoon, which is sounds a lot bigger and better than it really is. I mean, it is it is super in in the sense like it's fourteen percent bigger, right, in diameter, which with it being that far away, doesn't really look that different. Um, 
And the whole idea, you know, is, is so here's some space terminology, right? So there's, with orbits, no orbit is really circular. It, it's, it's, a, it's a combination, it's, it's, it's some kind of oval, or it's a, there's a thing called eccentricity, and that's basically um, scale of zero to one, I think, and that's how circular it is. Um, honestly, it's, I, last time I remembered it, it was college, so um, I'm just glad I remember that much. Um, <laughs> but one of those ends means that it's a perfect circle, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, not to get too technical here, but um, the reason it was a supermoon is because it was the cl- it was at the closest point in its orbit to Earth. So that's the the perigee. Um, the other term when it's farthest away is apogee. I, I like to remember that one as away, right? Apogee away, L- little stuff like that because you have to memorize all this stuff. So, um, just remember perigee was the closest. So we had the combination of the moon being the closest. It was also, uh, happening while there was a lunar eclipse. So the combination of the two is very rare. We've only had that happen. Let's see a few times in the last century. Um, there's a video I'll I'll post up here. Um, it was, it was the best explanation. Thank you, NASA for putting it out of what this weekend was about. Um, you know, and, and throughout the last century, I think there's maybe five times, but check the video out just in case. Um, so the last time it happened was 1982. Um, and the next time it's going to happen is 1932. So, um, we've got some, some time. So if you missed it, don't worry. Don't worry. I took uh, a ton of pictures, actually made an animated GIF of it. Uh, it'll be on this week's link. Uh, I've also uh, started a new blog where I'm doing just projects. It's, it's just going to be a written blog, um, and it's only going to be the projects uh, that we do here for Today in Space. Um, and then we'll be able to link them and talk about them on the show, but you know, we'll put them separately. Um, but there'll be a link to that. We'll, um, talking about the whole night on there. Uh, did a little write-up. It's kind of cool. Um, not a big writer, but I'm trying to get into it more. And um, it's really cool. So I got all my pictures up there. I've also got a few friends. Uh, Chris Tran, who's a photographer, uh, posted, uh, sent me some really great photos. Got those up there. And my friend Tyler Lapierre, who's an engineer, sent me his. He used his telescope and uh, took the picture through the telescope. So really some great pictures. If you missed it, don't worry. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Um, and all that stuff's there. Uh, let's... Let's talk about that night. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I mean, it was the rare combination of a, a super blood moon with a clear New England night sky that actually lasted long enough for you to see it. <laughs> um, so that was that was great. Um, it was cool. I grabbed the telescope, my old telescope, which is on its way out. I need to get a new one, unfortunately. Uh, I've already, I only have one lens left. I've lost the other ones. Um, you know how it is, you, you, <laughs> you put them in a place to be safe, and then it's too safe that you actually kept them from yourself. You can't find them anymore. Um, I lost them about a year ago. I haven't been able to find them. So we could see the eclipse through the telescope, but I couldn't take a picture with it because the lens, I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing <laughs> with this stuff. I'm real new to this. Um... But I go through all that stuff in the in the write up, uh, all the stuff I learned. There was a lot of things I learned. Uh, 
it's uh man this this kind of taking pictures of um stuff in space i, I guess as, as as we'll call it astrophotography right is not easy man i mean i know that someone's like going oh well of course but i mean you know you don't really have a a respect for it unless you try and do it and like this weekend was tough like um the only chance i really had to set up and prepare was like 20 minutes before it started uh, before the whole eclipse thing started so uh i was running around i got the telescope out i had to put it out because it was cooling down i didn't want anything to break i mean it probably wouldn't but i didn't want it to go from a warm house to really cold um so i brought it outside set it up uh, my brother was there to help. Um, he says he didn't do anything. He helped me out a lot. <laughs> Just having an extra pair of hands there um, to test things out was huge because I was literally freaking out. I could just feel the anxiety just building and building and building and building. Like, oh my God, Like I could see the moon starting to, <laughs> to eclipse and I'm freaking out. Uh, so he helped me out a lot. Um, but uh, it was cool. You know, we hung out. Um, set everything up also had a tripod and the digital camera set up so we could take things um it's not easy man first of all like taking pictures when you've got the moon that's half dark half light like the camera doesn't really know what to do with that especially with just like regular equipment right regular lenses and stuff like that it, it's too much light or not enough light so the camera is like like the part that's light that you're seeing with your own eyes that you can see the moon surface the camera's like nope nope that's the sun <laughs> you're you're taking a picture of just light um and then it, it can't pick up the darkness you know the red part of the moon because it's focusing it can't focus on it because it doesn't have enough light it, it's it was just it was a battle of trying to get something that really wasn't made to do stuff like this uh so and moral of the story is if I'm going to do this more, I need to get, like, legitimate equipment. And most of that stuff is way too expensive. So it's probably not happening. But um, given all that, I mean, we we really did get some really good photos. You'll see them on the, on the post. Um, but the thing I wanted to do was to make a, an animated GIF for the first time. And that's, if anyone doesn't know, it's just a bunch of pictures and it's animated. You've seen, if you've been online, you've seen these. Um, so we made an animated GIF of the uh, Super Blood Moon happening throughout. So I thought that was really cool. I thought it came out great. So that's up there. Um, it was just cool, man. You know, I had a had a pillow down so I could, because um, I had the tripod up on my picnic table <laughs> to get it a little bit higher, uh, and it was just out there for three hours, man. It was. Uh, it was uh, pretty cool. Put on some Frank Sinatra, some Fly Me to the Moon. That was awesome. Love me some Frank Sinatra. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, and the other thing, too, I was thinking about is, of course, we're going to go here, but what do you think people back in the day used to think when they saw this stuff? Like, yeah, you know, it, it's... Think about the time. Like, now's the time, especially in uh, the U.S., like... This is when people would be harvesting and 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 outside working. They probably would be working into the night. So they must have been outside, like, looking and then seeing the moon, like, 
at first looked like it was probably disappearing or something, you know, how just batshit insane must it have looked? And then to see a blood, you know, that probably where that term came from, the blood mood and the whole, if you were on the internet this weekend, you probably saw the apocalyptic, you know, depictions. Oh my God, you know, it's end of days talk, you know, apocalypse now and all that shit. Like it's, they wouldn't have known any better. You know, and they must have thought it was some crazy, I mean, some crazy stuff must have gone down, too. Like, people thinking it was the end of days, and, and I don't know, just thinking they could get away with stuff. And, you know, it's, it's the whole, um, you know, pillage uh, pillage scenario. You know, it's like people think it's the end of the world, so they go in, they, they, they pillage a place, steal everything inside for some reason. I, that's my favorite thing. They always steal TVs. It's like, what are you going to do with a TV? You you gonna watch it? You gonna sell it? If it's the end of days, what what is money gonna do you? <laughs> you just want to steal something because you can steal it? I guess I, I don't know. It, that never really made any sense to me, but uh, whatever. Um, it's it's cool to have the science so that you you could laugh and 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 look at people like really like like the <laughs> this is this happens. This is like a regular thing that happens, you know. The, the world is not flat, you know. The the universe does not revolve around the earth. These things happen, you know. It's just, uh, it's silly, man. Uh, and it was fun to watch it at first and think about the people that must be freaking out. And then I'm sitting there outside, you know, me and my brother, and we're, we're sitting there taking pictures, enjoying it, you know. It's just like, oh, crazy people, man. People are crazy, man. Uh, but I hope you had a great time watching this weekend. Really do. I I, I know I did. Um, I also had a lot of fun texting back and forth with a few people and online. It seemed like, I mean, when you got something called a super blood moon, I mean, even there were even signs in Boston uh, on the highway that were saying, you know, make sure to check out the super blood moon. So, uh yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome that uh, people are getting this much involved. I mean, it, it it was a rare event. There's no doubt about that. About every thirty years or so, but still, um, just glad people are getting involved. Which, of course, brings us to our next big thing that happened this week in science. We'll talk about that in just a second. Okay, so before we get right into the awesome news of Martian water. Uh, here's just a few things that happened in the last week since we had our last show. So, SpaceX's Falcon 9 booster was enhanced and tested. They did a static fire test, which is just launching the rocket while it's stationary. Um, and so now, they're closer to seeing them launch again, which is awesome. Awesome. I can't wait. Um, also in Cape Canaveral, Florida, uh, the crew access tower for Boeing's Starliner and Atlas V launch pad... Uh, is halfway finished. The stack is being put together, and uh, they're on their way so that uh, in the future here we can have our first commercial crew launch, which is the first Americans to be launched off American soil with American rockets since we ended the... um, (laughs) since we ended uh, the shuttle program. So brain fart there. Um, so that's really cool. So moving ahead on that. And 
in some 3D printing news. You know, we talk about how it does medical implants and you know, this personal stuff you can do, like a 3D printed engine, and uh, you can make desk toys, and just a lot of things. But uh, this one's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty deep. It's pretty heavy, man. Uh, the veteran used a 3D printer to create a copy of the bullet that paralyzed him as part of a healing process. Damn. I mean, that's... I mean, 3D printing can can really be used for anything. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. And I applaud. I think that's an amazing, amazing use of it. Uh, having something in your hands in front of you um, goes a lot farther than just in your head and, you know, emotionally. I think, uh, especially if you're, I mean... As amazing as that is, I mean, take it from a, a business standpoint, right? If you're trying to sell something, right? Having uh, even just a prototype in front of somebody, you're going to sell that a lot easier than you're going to do if you're just selling, you know, a lot of what-ifs, this and that, you know. Um, even just like a, a 3D model on a computer um, is good, but when people are able to touch it and have it in front of them, uh, it, it does wonders. It does so much more. Um, update on me, 3D printer is being worked on, uh, learning a few more things and still on the journey for the first print. I will let you guys know when it happens. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll definitely let you know. Uh, now let's get on to the big scientific find of this week. Now, let's, let's talk about the crazy shit that just happened this week, all right? Let's go back to last weekend, okay, uh, I had a bunch of people come up, you know, pull me aside and go, hey, hey, did you hear, did you hear about NASA, did you hear about Mars, I heard they found running water, man, can you believe that, can believe I'm like, well, I, I didn't, I haven't heard anything yet, no, seriously, I heard online, I heard on the internet that they found running water, okay, all right, cool, uh, I'll, I'll listen to it, uh, I think it was Monday, uh, I'll listen to it Monday, man, <laughs> cool, <laughs> people were freaking out about the fact there was more, which they should, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a big find, if we can find water on Mars, it changes the whole game of going there eventually, and it, the possibilities grow, right, but I think what's most impressive is how they did it, man, they did it from orbit. NASA used their, their Mars orbiters, their satellites. They used a spectros uh, spectrometer. They beamed light, right, on the surface of Mars, on these where these, these RSLs, these black streaks that would, that would appear and disappear, the, the recurring slope lineae, as they call them. I like RSL. So these black streaks on Mars, right? They kept coming and going and coming and going. So like, oh, let's let's just beam light on on the surface of Mars and read back what what the light is is reflecting. That, that's that's spectroscopy in a nutshell. You know, it's not the best definition, but that's basically it. And what they found is that is that the, there's two elements where there's dips where the light is being absorbed, and those two elements, hydrogen. Oxygen. So they've literally 
science the shit out of Mars and found <laughs> that the things that are that are in these slope lineae, these streaks, are probably this hydrogen and oxygen, which is the evidence. So that's that's what they've they've managed to do. They have they have taken what seemed to be impossible, what would never be done. They used science and found some actual evidence that there's freaking water on Mars. Now, that that doesn't mean that we've got rivers here. That doesn't mean that we've got a puddle of water here. They're only they're only seen on big steep steep uh, slopes, you know, like coming down off a mountain. And the, like, the actual thickness of, of where these streaks are is, is like, paper thin and uh, not accurate, but as thin as it gets. So, and, and these, these streaks are really long, but how much water is in there is not, it, it, it is not very much. And we can't just send a rover there because it's too steep for the rover. And even if we had humans there, it would be really hard for a human to, to climb these mountains in their spacesuits, their Martian suits, um, to even get there. So um, it, it's, there is a lot more to this than really what a lot of people are diving onto. But, but they've still managed to do this from Earth using a satellite that's orbiting Mars. I mean, it just, it just, it's craziness. And I don't think a lot of people are even touching how they did this. I mean, it's the, the PhD student who, the, the PhD candidate who will definitely be getting his PhD, I would be surprised if he wasn't, um, who worked on this project. I mean, kudos, man. I mean, if you're going to do a PhD project, Finding doing doing a PhD project where you are providing the only evidence towards there being water on Mars is pretty amazing. Uh, so kudos to you, brother. Uh, that's an that's an amazing paper you're gonna be writing there. It's already published, actually, um, the scientific paper. Um, just just craziness, it really is. Um, now. Going back again, it's not these black streaks are not. It's not just water that's then like mixing it with the soil. Um, there's this salt. I think it's perchlorate. I think it's called. Um, so what's happening is this salt, right, likes to absorb water, right. So what's probably happening is there's molecules of water, and it's soaking up the water um, that's in the air, because apparently Mars is actually a lot more humid than we would have thought. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you take the Viking missions readings, the surface, especially where they were, is pretty sterile. So, you know, the search for where life is, is really going to come down to these streaks. If they really do have water, that's where people are going to start looking. And so basically, it's not so much running water, it's running mushy salt. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what it is. And the only thing that's making the salt mushy and runnable is this 
water that's this molecular water that's adding to the mix you know it's uh and it's it, it not only that it's probably the only thing that's making finding water even possible so so let's let's go further into this right so liquid water according to the 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 broadcast the other day liquid water on mars if you had a cup of liquid pure water nothing else in it right it would only be able to be liquid from 0 degrees celsius to 10 degrees celsius now water on earth is liquid from 0 to 100 celsius so that's a very small window so it's very unstable there's not a lot really going on there and it's uh so it's basically impossible to find water, liquid just by itself, water on Mars, because the seasons are changing constantly and the temperatures cannot stay in a 10, win uh, 10 Celsius window. It's just not, you're not going to find that, especially long enough so that a pool of water could, ha could happen. You know what I mean? So the idea of this perchlorate or this salt mush makes the ability to find water way more impressive. And it, it kind of explains, if, if it is what we're actually seeing, it explains why these streaks come and go throughout the seasons on Mars. So with the perchlorate mix, the water can survive from minus 70 degrees Celsius, which is pretty cold, to this... Um, I think it's 20 degrees Celsius. So that's a way better range. That's closer to the range of pure water that we have on Earth. Um, now, we know there's some type of water on Mars because we see snow caps on Mars that switch poles throughout the seasons uh, as each hemisphere has its summer slash winter. So we know it's there, but the problem is we can't find it anywhere else. So these streaks, these black lines going down slopes are that come and go they're the only evidence and the, the it's the smart place to look and that's what they did they found the that they found that the elements are there by using light beam down on the surface of mars <laughs> if i didn't already say that before it's just it's batshit crazy i mean this is the kind of science that it, like should be getting the credit it, it should be getting but Instead, people want to talk about aliens and, you know, can we send people there? I mean, yes, those are all cool things. But we're literally using magic to find this stuff out on Mars. And I, I don't think anyone's really talking about it. Uh, it. It just, it's craziness. So let's go even further back. So the whole thing, you know, water on Mars, what's great about it? Well... The great thing is you would be able to, of course, make water, but more importantly, you'd be able to make fuel. Now, it's going to take a good amount of chemistry, and you're going to need other materials, but um, having the existence of hydrogen and oxygen on Mars as a resource is huge. Big thing, big game changer for down the road. Now, the other big thing really the maybe the bigger mystery yes we you know the big you know the whole story behind this weekend was will we you know we solve the huge mystery on mars but ironically we've actually created an even bigger mystery that now needs to be solved more than the one that was before which was to find evidence of water on mars 
And so if these streaks are actually water, evidence of water on Mars, the mystery is, where is it coming from? Where are these streaks coming from? Because if they're appearing and then disappearing, basically evaporating, right? Then why, why do they keep coming up? You know, where is this coming from? Is it, is it maybe just the atmosphere that's, for some reason, these, we're just seeing deposits of chlorate that's just absorbing it and then sloping down the mountain? Maybe. Maybe, but I think what's more realistic, in my mind, is that underneath the surface of Mars, there's some stream, some lake, some um, vein of water that we just can't see because we're <laughs> the surface is covering it, which then opens up a whole other thing because in every place on Earth where we find water, we find some type of microbial life, which is really what we're looking for in space. We're not looking for aliens. We're looking for microbial life, which is the, the true alien for, for, for real science. And if we can somehow get underneath Mars and find these oceans, these subsurface rivers and ponds and lakes, and we find microbial life there, man, the whole lid gets blown off the place, man. We have a whole nother issue on our hands. <laughs> because now, now when we go to a planet, we're not going to just, you know, yes, the orbital, I mean, this finding more than anything else shows the importance of sending orbital missions first to, to find out the lay of the land, to, to really figure out what's there before we go. Because, I mean, we, we can't just send people there. We need to know what we're dealing with here first. And just going there for a year, two years isn't enough. We've got we've to get as much data as we can. We're doing fantastic things between the Mars Science Laboratory, which is Curiosity, and, you know, the 2020 rover that's coming up, which is actually going to be using an oxygenator. It's going to be taking the Mars atmosphere and trying to extract oxygen from the air. I also heard plans of it trying to uh, prepare the air so that humans could be, but I don't think that's real. I may have just read that online, or I had a dream about it. But either way, either way, there's some really cool stuff coming up. But it, orbital missions are really, really, really important, especially after this one. Now that we know we can do this kind of stuff, beam light on the surface to then find you know, it's just, it's batshit crazy, man, and I love it. This is the kind of science that just gets me going, man. I mean, you could hear it. You could hear it in my voice, man. This is, this is the science that should be getting the, the, the bump in the budget approval. I mean, granted, they're doing amazing things with what they have. Um, and there is an argument that too much money stifles innovation, but I think that's underestimating the amount of things that can be done with more of a budget. Um, I'm a big proponent of that. I'm not going to preach to you anymore. If you're listening to the show, I'm sure you agree. Um, so we'll just move on. I think that the next thing is to send another, maybe some type of, of robot that can dig, that can get under there, or something that can map. I mean, we've got, we, we have tools that can, can, 
can give us a map of what's underneath the surface here on Earth. If we can send something even on an orbiter, that way we can keep the budget in line and actually send it. <laughs> if we can do something like that, uh, then we're, we're, we're getting pretty crazy here. And that's maybe, maybe that's what we have NASA do. And then we have people like Boeing and SpaceX spend the money to, to send humans there. NASA does all the, the groundwork to make sure everything's okay, and then we have the private sector take care of it. I, I, I think that's a it's, a it's a hidden gem that we've found with this new commercial crew program and the fact that we have entrepreneurs like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and all these other guys who have their own... They want to find... They want to get us to Mars. I mean, we, we have to occupy Mars. We've got to send people there. We've got plenty of people who are willing to go. Plenty of people, and it's just gonna, it's just a matter of time. These, these are just steps that have to be taken. And once we get there, man, we're gonna find out some crazy stuff. I mean, if if you enjoyed last week's episode, I know I did. We talked about some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, that was just three guys drinking beers in a circle. Imagine if we got people really thinking about stuff. I mean, <laughs> we could we could really really ramp up and then. New ideas help save money, and then we can do more things. Like, if, if you don't think that hitting the ground with the spectrometer, using light to reflect, if you don't think that was an idea that came up in a meeting that saved them time, money, and effort for a whole nother mission, I mean, that was definitely one of those ideas that was like, all right, uh, I have an idea. It's a little crazy, but... What if we beamed light on the surface of Mars? Hold on. Just, just let, me, let me finish. Let me finish. We beam light on the surface of Mars. And whatever doesn't come back up, we know what's there. And someone's sitting there with a pencil. Hmm. You know what? I like that. That's so crazy, it just might work. No, but but seriously, like, these are the kind of ideas that need to be, I feel, need to be given credit. And at bravo to everyone over at that mission doing this work. I mean, I know they've been looking at it for years, uh, and they finally have everything put together. Um, and you're going to hear a lot of naysayers come out in the next week, month, Whatever. I read one the other day um, that was talking about how how not important this finding is. Whatever, man. There's always haters. I, I want to I give credit where credit is due, and that is the brilliance of doing something crazy like that. Not only just, just, to, just to put that on a mission and to, <laughs> to do that, first of all, but not only that, it actually worked. So congratulations. And uh, it's it's it just it's an incredible it's been an incredible year last few years actually with just the stuff that's coming out um, we're really pushing forward and I think we're getting really close to a really big push uh, whether it's SpaceX landing that rocket and making reusability something that becomes the norm and that way every company that launches rockets uses that kind of format or we we really get the money needed to push 
and fund a mission to Mars to send humans there. Or something I found the other day, which uh, the Planetary Society released, which isn't actually sending humans to the surface of Mars, but sending humans to orbit Mars. So changing the game a little bit. I'm, I'm in the middle of reading that right now, so I'll, I'll do more on it later, but basically... It's free also for anyone who they, they have it available on their website if you want to download it and read it. It's pretty readable. Um, but the idea is why spend all the money trying and then the hardware and the technology trying to land people on Mars when we can just send them to orbit Mars first? Because if a satellite can do all that from orbit, imagine what sending some humans to orbit Mars is going to do. You have a whole laboratory set up there. You have almost a, a space station like you have with the ISS. I mean, it's not going to be as um, technologically advanced, and you're not going to be to be able to do as much, but you send a science laboratory in orbit with humans around Mars, and you can do a lot of crazy stuff really fast. And you'll have data to work on for years, and you build it so that after, I think it's the... It's a 22-month-long journey from leaving Earth to coming back. And you build it long enough that they can, you know, they can do it. Maybe they send a probe down to go excavate some, some oxygen. You know, they send, they send a rover down that then releases uh, the raw supplies they need back to make their fuel to come back up. I mean, there's a lot of crazy shit we can do, man. <laughs> we just got to push forward and make sure it happens. You know, and make sure that budgets aren't cut and we make sure that the public interest is there because really if the public interest is there, the budgets will happen. I really do believe that. And things like the super blood moon and this this finding, whatever the, the critics and the naysayers are going to say about this actual finding and how NASA overdid the, uh, the discovery, people don't care about that, man. People care about us getting to Mars. People care about us doing missions and working on things. I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but they need to get people interested like this. And it's, they're not lying to anybody. You know, they are actually providing, if you sat down and watched that presentation, they explained everything. That's where I got all the information for this week. <laughs> I sat down and listened. There's a lot of stuff in there. You know, and yeah, you know, maybe you'll get some hits for writing an article about how it's not that important, but maybe you're not that important. I don't know. Just saying. It's a sad existence to live, my friend. With that, let's end this episode. <laughs> Before we go down to dark waters here, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I, hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, a lot of crazy, crazy shit this week with science, and we'll, we'll have more as it comes out. Uh, don't forget to check out the newest pictures uh, from New Horizons of the Pluto system. Uh, new high-def pictures of uh, Pluto's moon, uh, Charon, 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 however it's pronounced. And uh, it's apparently still up, to, up for debate. Um, those are really cool. Also, remember, if you want to help support this podcast and all our future missions... Because we do have future missions coming up here. Uh, and all the projects that are going to be happening. Uh, go to Amazon.com. Use the link in this week's episode. And in uh, it'll also be on the homepage. Just click that button. Um, and do your shopping as usual. 
and Amazon will kick me back a little bit of it and uh, for sending you there, and it doesn't cost you a single thing. Uh, you can help us out here. I would really appreciate that. And anything else you can do, tell your friends about it. If you got an engineering friend, science friend, anyone interested in science, you yourself, let somebody know. Spread the word, guys. We're doing some, some crazy stuff here, and, and I love all of you. So thank you. Spread the word. Spread love. Spread science. Have a good week.